Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Uh, Jordan Morris, the false god of Capistrano Valley. Okay. <laughs> I think this is one of those... So I'm like, we don't necessarily talk about what we're going to talk about on the show ahead of time. We like to keep it fresh right? and, and not prepare. And um, Jordan, yeah, in this that's case, more, that's more the issue. Yeah, in, in we this, say it's for we we say it's for you know like philosophical reasons or aesthetic reasons, but uh, yeah, um, just we I shit to do. You know, think there are times when we use our nicknames to introduce a topic for the beginning of the right. show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I presume this is just one of those times when we just are supposed to breeze right past it, and I'll just talk about getting my tires rotated, right? Yeah, no, there's a gas leak in my house, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying stuff. <laughs> you're just, yeah. you're just having that kind of uh, that kind of migraine where you just mid sentence start saying random words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm gonna get some pictures that. framed. The devil lives in my shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Who cares, right? <laughs> yeah, but we know that... Yeah. You, now, Capistrano Valley, is that what you just said? Yeah, yeah, the false god of the Capistrano Valley. So who is the... Okay, so my first question, okay. maybe this is too obvious. <laughs> Who's the true god of the Capistrano Valley? Well, well... <laughs> okay, yes? I know this. Uh-huh. Here's... here's I'll... Let me set this up a little bit. Uh, as regular listeners to the show know, Jordan Jesse Go um, is a kind of constant reshuffling of five or six different anecdotes that we kind of right. tell a little bit differently at different times. Right. So, like the time that the guy punched me for having the same jacket as him. Right. Yeah. I was um, I was in a commercial for the local weather with NBC4's Fritz Coleman. Yeah. I was uh, in a com- local commercial for Expressions College yeah. of Art and Design. Two of the five stories are about local commercials. Yeah. Anyway. Jordan, other things happen on our show. We say words related to things we half remember from our childhood, like sure. Firestorm the Nuclear Man. Right. Uh, the devil lives in my shoes. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, I have an update to one of Jordan Jesse Go's long running stories. Oh, wow. I have a new piece to the puzzle. Holy I have a, cow. I have a loop to close. And people love that. That's why they love yeah. true crime podcasts. Yes. Like Jordan, this. Joseph Gordon Levitt will soon be here to shoot me with a blunderbuss and collect his gold bars <laughs> because there's a loop to close. Uh-huh. Um, it's a, I went to my 20th high school reunion. Right. Um, a few weeks ago and got got a piece of closure for one of the Jordan Jesse Go five stories. Before we tell it, we have a pretty great guest sitting on the line yeah. who I think has some thoughts about, you know, this general mm. topic. What yeah. say we introduce our guest? Yeah. Get to know them a little bit, and then time permitting, I will close this loop and then become Bruce Willis, I think. I don't really remember that movie. You know, Jordan, this is a very exciting episode for us. Mm -hmm. Every year, we apply for a Peabody. Mm -hmm. And every year, we have to choose an episode to send in to the Peabody committee. 
Mm-hmm. Which is, of course, Peabody and Mr. Sherman. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we, th- we, just, we just toss the application right in the Wayback Machine. Yeah. We have not won the Peabody. We have won the Dudley Do-Right Award <laughs> several yeah. years running. Yeah. And in the past, we've been forced to simply submit the highest prestige guest who's been on the show that year. So right. generally speaking, that would just be Blaine Kapatch because he used to write for Mad TV. Mm-hmm. But this this episode is not only going to get us a Peabody, Jordan. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to get us a Polk Award. Mm-hmm. And I think this might be our ticket to a MacArthur Genius Grant, yes. which we would be the first ever duo with one genius yeah, grant. You'll get it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'll well, get it Tuesday, <laughs> Thursday, Saturday, and then alternate Sundays. We'll have to account for if there's a leap year. Anyway, suck yeah. it, Blaine. Yeah, suck it, Kapatch. Our guest on the program, uh, where might you have seen him? Uh, let's try 60 Minutes, okay? Let's try CBS This Morning, all right? Let's Let's talk about... Let's talk about in the pages of Slate. Let's talk about let's talk about in uh, uh, Time Magazine mm-hmm. some years ago. Let's talk about uh, just around just on the street, some like at a cafe or something like that. Right. You know, he probably lives in New York. I'm not sure. If, I'm not certain, but probably at a cafe in New York, but not a Starbucks, like a nice one. You know, like a coffee bean. Yeah, like a coffee bean and tea leaf is an example. Mm-hmm. He's probably, of course, best known for his Instagram feed. Uh, please welcome to the program John Dickerson. Hi, John. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Jordan. It's great to be here. Oh, it's a thrill to have you. It is. Um, not just our most august guest, Jordan, but almost certainly our most handsome. He'll tell you that himself. <laughs> uh, tied with Steve Agee. It's John and Steve Agee. Yeah. John, I am a huge fan of the Slate Political Gab Fest. That is a, like, day it comes out, listen for me. Um, And something that I like about that show, you know, is that, like, you know, it's this great kind of, like, dive into some, like, political stuff that I probably wouldn't get unless you guys explained it to me. But, like, occasionally, once in a while, in the middle of this, like, very smart, interesting political discussion with like you know three pretty brilliant you know writers and thinkers dickerson will just drop a reference to zaphod Beeblebrox. (laughs) 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 your knowledge of that kind of like classic nerd stuff always delights me i always love it and it irritates the hell out of my um co-host David Plotz, who thinks I've basically only read, and he's not wrong about this, uh, like two things. Um, and so, um, you know, by, uh, by the third time I say it hung in the, uh, it hung in the air the way bricks don't, um, he'll, uh, he'll call me out and say that I, that I have a, such a narrow lane, but I don't care. And the most important thing to know about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is that when you have kids... Oh my God! Listening to that with them and li- and watching them uncork the laughter that it brings forward and the randomness and the just beauty of it, like you get this second bite at that apple. Um, 
And that's that's really where it's hit me in its most recent incarnation. Although now that the kids are teenagers, um, uh, you know, I I have to just listen to it quietly by myself on a Saturday. <laughs> I one hundred percent had the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on six cassettes in one plastic clamshell that you ordered from the wireless catalog. Just no yeah. question. Listened to it seven times. Read all the books. Uh, and I was just sort of perusing it in my memory. You know how you like, there's something that you, you maybe enjoyed in your adolescence and you go back and revisit your memories of it to check in with whether it's still good. Mm -hmm. Uh, and when I looked at it in my, in my memory palace, it has its whole own wing of my memory palace. Mm -hmm. But when I went into my memory palace and took a look at it, I was like, you know what? I bet it's still definitely good. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I bet that shit. If I read that right now, I would think it was super funny. I think it 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 has been for me, and also I get to um, b come up with new, whole new things of it that I didn't get the first time around, um, and and uh, which is also nice that it both rewards the past and also is still open to new interpretation in the future. And in fact, when we're done here today, I'm going to go listen to it on the drive back and, um, my <laughs> wife will be unhappy with me, but that's okay. <laughs> John, I, it's interesting you saying that like, that your kids were into it when you, when you introduced them to it. What, like of that kind of classic, like nerd stuff, what, what has hit and what has missed in terms of like showing it to your oh, kids? Such an excellent question. So I used to have a hierarchy. Let me see if I can reattach to it. So you start with Dr. Zeus. Um, and so uh, any and all of the Dr. Zeus's, um, um, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish is a particular, um, I mean, and those played when they went to bed, those played on a loop for years. Yeah. So you start with that and then you have rolled dolls. So, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Um, Eric Idle, I believe, reads them. So you get a you get both Roll Doll and then you get the introduction to Monty Python. So you're going up. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide comes in there. Calvin and Hobbes, which is not an audiobook reading experience, but it's an entire worldview. Um, our uh, my daughter in particular took Yukon Ho as her. Um, uh, kind of a mantra for her adventuresomeness when she was a, a younger girl. Um, so, oh come on, that's great. Let's not much. run past that. Much. That's fucking <laughs> yeah. adorable. Yeah. That is, yeah. I mean, Yukon Ho is so good. Well, it's so yeah. good. I, I wrote an entire essay once about um, taking her and dropping her off at camp and then going to pick her up. It was the same camp I'd gone to, um, Camp Mishawaka in uh, in Minnesota, and. The entire piece was basically driving towards the Yukon Ho moment because um, uh, it was it, it was just like so captured her personality. She was Calvin, um, and uh, and so I think I think oh, and then of course Lord of the Rings. Um, what happened with Lord of the Rings though was that my daughter in particular can now basically recite it from memory, um, and so for her it has become both a foundation upon which she can build her whole view of the world, but then it is a high tower from which she can repeatedly dunk on her father because, you know, <laughs> I think I think I know what I'm talking about. And she and she knows it in intimate detail. Um I mean uh and 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 
and it's just embarrassing. So, so I can no longer talk about the book because I'll get some crucial thing wrong. Um, and uh, anyway, so that's really what you want to do is both introduce them to great art and then give them a cudgel with which to uh, separate themselves from you. <laughs> John, I have to say, I mean, you've made an interesting list there. I have not gotten to Lord of the Rings yet because my oldest is 10. Um, I'll, I'll probably get there. But on that list, there's a couple that I have to say, all of those are things I loved as a kid. A couple of those are things that I did not love as an adult. I've Dr. Seuss, as an adult, immediately transformed into like a nightmarish torture. Those books are so Wait, are long. Are you coming at this anti-Seuss? <laughs> I'm not, look, Whoa. for children. For We've had some things, hot takes on this show, but I might have to distance myself people. from you. <laughs> different things for different people, and I still liked the Butter Battle book a lot. Mm -hmm. But like... Those Dr. Seuss books, as a person who has to read them out loud, they are so long and <laughs> nothing happens in them. Like, it's just a list of made up words. Like, there are exceptions. There's the guy tries the ham the at the end. It's an arc. It's that he tries yeah. the ham. But, like, it's particularly an, a, like Fox and Socks and journey. stuff, <laughs> it's just him making up words. And he does a good job. Uh -huh. I'm not. Look. But what I'm saying is reading them out loud, you feel like you've been doing it forever. Like you feel like your throat is hoarse and you're going to pass out from exertion and you look down and you realize you're a third of the way through a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> There's so many. Shall I, can I, fart a toot, shall I, can I, spum de doop, you know? <laughs> Well, you know, it's an interesting point. I don't think we read the doc. I think we had the Dr. Zeus. We listened to them together on audiobook. There are plenty of books that I would read. Um, uh, and and what was important about the reading was whether I would fall asleep before I got to the end. Because there was, mm -hmm. my sure. wife would come home and it'd be like the scene in um, uh, in Vacation where Chevy Chase is driving and everybody in the car is asleep, but they're going 60 miles an hour. That was, she would walk in the mm -hmm. room and I would be sound asleep and the kids would be careening off the corners of the walls, um, taking advantage of my being asleep. I couldn't even get through George and the Purple Crayon um, uh, without <laughs> crashing. Uh, but, but, but Dr. Zeus, we always, because the voices were so great. Um, right. So I'll have to rethink that, but I'm still... Scoobdy doobdy. Okay, now it's topic number two of the list, <laughs> Roald Dahl. So obviously now we know that Roald Dahl was, uh, was a hateful person yeah. in real life. Uh, that is now in the public record that he was a hateful monster. Uh, definitely 100% was my favorite as a kid. Like 1,000%. Matilda was my favorite of all of them, but I read every one of them and loved almost all of them. I read them out loud, again, with my oldest when she was younger. And um, all of them, the premise is <laughs> that all adults are hateful monsters. <laughs> like Basically, just the inciting incident of every single one of those books is like the child is being raised by uh, by like two mass murderers who eat babies. And you know what I mean? <laughs> like every that's like right. what 
And instead off. of like dinner, the kid gets kicked in the stomach. Like <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the evil role doll adult is like such a such a like distinct character yeah. type. Not a subtle or nuanced perspective. But look at how good you then as a parent look, you know? So you yeah. figure if... <laughs> Shit, maybe that's it. Exactly. <laughs> Set expectations low and then right. you can come sailing over them. Yeah, my kids are like, you feed me every day. Yeah. <laughs> I sleep in a bed and not a, an old China hutch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that really did, like, the, like, plainness of the power fantasy of Roald Dahl, like, just the simplicity of it in every one um, didn't work for me. And also he's maybe not the most elegant writer of the great geniuses of children's literature, but um, uh, but mostly it's that thing where just every protagonist in every one of those stories is becomes the protagonist because they're being nightmarishly abused. Um, and then they become all, because then they become powerful and just uh, destroy the previous generation. <laughs> <laughs> Which some generations these days might, might want to do, given what they're being left behind by their uh, elders. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, boomer, is what I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just make that up? <laughs> yeah, I just made that up. It's I really just created good. that. I, admit, I wrote it down on a piece of paper and mailed it to myself, <laughs> and now I own it. Um. I want to I want to I want to do this high school reunion story but um yeah. I do want to ask both John and Jesse um Jesse I don't think I know this about you if you've been to any of your like high school reunions or do you like regularly inter- interact with anybody from high school I, either of you Well my high school class was about 100 mm-hmm. total so you know one of whom was my wife obviously or not obviously Do you two but- interact uh, only, only as necessary. Uh, I'm like, Hey lady, give me the remote. Okay. <laughs> Once in a while I'm like, Hey, I gotta go out for Siggy's. I need some, uh, I need some new brewskis for the man cave. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, so my wife and I were the same class mm-hmm. in high school and we have, I mean, we definitely still interact with friends of ours from high school. One of Teresa's uh, best buddies, Emily, is um, still good friends of ours and is sometimes Max Fun's publicist. Um, there's there's a few people like that that we still, uh, that we still talk to regularly. Um, beyond that, you know, there's a general sense of bonhomie in the, uh, you know, in the, on the Facebook, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. I got to see some people when uh, a friend of mine who went to high school with us, who was my friend since uh, uh, preschool, uh, passed away a year or two ago and got to see some people, you know, at his service and stuff. So we have some interaction, but the we went to our 10th uh, high school reunion. Um, like you, Jordan, I mean, you're, you're older than you, so we, we would have just had our 20th. But mm-hmm. I, I, we went to our 10th in San Francisco, and it was at... A cafe on Ocean Avenue. Uh, a coffee bean? It was. <laughs> it aspired to coffee bean them. <laughs> so far, they had that only crushed ice there. <laughs> they only gotten the tea leaf, and they were still working on the bean. Yeah. Um, it, just a a pretty anonymous and somewhat rundown cafe. Mm-hmm. Four o'clock in the afternoon, Ocean Avenue, one of the cold 
parts of San Francisco, just the sort of like always gray parts of San Francisco. And I'm going to I'm going to say the turnout was three teachers, our principal and 14 of our classmates. Is how I, I, Mr. B was there. Of course, Mr. Braunschweig. <laughs> Shout sure. out to Mr. B. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Mr. Rosenblatt, our principal, aka Mr. Frozen Rat. Not to brag, but that's a little <laughs> gag we came up with back in, back in our high school days. Jesse, that's mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, come on. He, di- he died. He <laughs> died. Mr. Rosenblatt. Mr. Rosenblatt died, and he was like a uh, he was like a five foot two inch New Yorker who you would like picture. Uh, you know, like in a basically in like a little wooden office in a small New York garment factory, yelling into the phone and sweating. Yeah. Um. And he was really wonderful, really wonderful guy. Um. Really, I always really liked him. Um. And he came to our reunion, was really sweet. And when he passed away, I looked at his um his obituary, and he had traveled to fifty five countries. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like I had no idea yeah. that this man had this other life where every year he went to two countries <laughs> besides <laughs> the current country he was in. But anyway, it was like it was very um it was a very lonely event mm-hmm. where people just got like got like a the kind of iced coffee where they just take the carafe out of the Mr. Coffee and pour it on some right. ice. And we just kind of talked for an hour and left. <laughs> um, and it was fine. Like I would have been, I was, wasn't upset that I went or anything, but there was no like, there was no high school, there was no Romy and Michelle action. There was no classic, just like we never had homecoming or <laughs> nobody whatever. Got, nobody got hit by a limo. <laughs> yeah. But John, I feel like I picture you having gone to an all-American high school. My wife went to the all-American high school in um, Knoxville, Tennessee. I went to a uh, uh, small private school in Washington, D.C. Um, and so... Uh, that would that would not be the all American um, place. However, it's interesting. I wonder whether you guys have. I think the world is split into people who have intense high school friendships, or they had their intense friendships that are a part of their life after they left high school. I'm still deeply good friends. In fact, my best friends in life are several of the people I went to high school with, and then we all moose got married. Right, exactly. Moose. Um, <laughs> Jughead. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> flipper. Um, <laughs> Joey Two-Face. Um, <laughs> Billy. And let's not forget the gooch. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Oh, man. Right. The fucking exactly. gooch. Oh, God. Oh, man. Um, actually, that's interesting. We are... Except for me, and I don't think I even had this nickname in high school, we are totally without nicknames in this whole group, which is, I think it probably says something. Anyway, the we've had robust, there were about 110 people in my senior class co-ed, robust uh, reunions that continue to be robust. I was not at the last one. I've been a participant in all the previous ones. Um, and um, what I found was that I... Um, 
I guess mine have been at our first big one. Like, let's say the 10th one. Um, I'm older than you guys, so I'm, I'm coming up on my 35th. Um, and I picked up a conversation with a, with a woman, Robin Weigert, who's a actress. Um, she was in Deadwood. She played uh, Calamity Jane for those uh, who watched that. Whoa, really? Yeah. Yeah. And, Dang. And so we, for the next couple of uh, reunions, would have these super intense conversations about art and drama and life and creativity and uh, who knows, yeah. you know, every other thing under the sun. Um, Gosh, and, she is so, she is so good in that. Show. Yeah. And, 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 but I, I didn't really know her that well in high school. I mean, um, it was, so it's, they, the reunions had this really interesting quality, which was having intense and interesting conversations with people. I actually didn't know that well, um, even though I have these longstanding friendships. Um, and then, um, I also had one of those teachers who, um, maybe every writer has one of these, but I had an English teacher who passed away a few years ago and I wrote about his effect on my career and life. Um, and he was one of those sort of dead poet society type, uh, English teachers. Um, his name was Neil Tonkin. And, um, when he passed away, I had a massive reunion experience with a friend of mine, who also was in a class with him where we reconnected after, I don't know, 25 years or something. Um, and, um, it's, so I've had these very intense high school, uh, experiences, but I think this is all a bad way of setting you up, Jordan, for telling us what happened at your reunion. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the story that I, that I have told on this podcast, probably we've been doing this show 13 years. So I think I've told it probably 26 times. Um, <laughs> Was that I? Uh, so I went to high school in uh, Orange County, California, and uh, I my senior year won Homecoming King, and so you know, and uh, it will it will shock you to know that I was kind of a non traditional Homecoming King. Uh, I was a drama kid, capes to school. Uh, I don't think I need to say anything else. Super um, yoked, huh? Yeah, super yoked. <laughs> yeah, underneath really the ripped. cape, you couldn't see because of the cape that I was wearing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, very jacked. Uh, you know, mid ska revival. So I was wearing a bowling shirt with someone else's name on it. Uh, right. You know. Um. So you know, it, I it, it. So the fact that I won, you know, it's like, hey, this is a you know, and the other nominees were very traditional, like student government and or sporto types. Um, so, you know, it's like, hey, this, this, our student, we have a, we have a broad definition of cool, like this, you know, this kind of kooky, uh, you know, <laughs> affected <laughs> weirdo can win and, you know, we're all friends. Years and years later, I connected with an old high school friend on MySpace, and he said, hey, you know how you won Homecoming King? Guess what? I was working in the office, and we changed the votes so you would win. It wasn't even close. Wow. So You had a little certified this election. You had a little Cook County... Illegal vote rigging <laughs> right. inside your homecoming king. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, Did you do anything no one stopped once the you steal. got into office? No one stopped the steal. <laughs> Did you Blagojevich it at all? Did you make any money off this thing once you became king? I should have, man. I should have Blagojevich, but I should have <laughs> sold that homecoming senatorship. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, the crown, by the way, was a Tupperware bucket with felt uh, table stapled. Oh, stapled it, so. well, that's nice. Um, so yeah, so I knew. So I've been walking around with this information. Um, I've like talked about it on the podcast, but like you know, um, but that's it. Nowhere like anybody would have heard it. So, um, so you know, so this twentieth reunion is coming up, and the organizer, I you know, I think kind of vaguely knew that I worked in entertainment and asked me if I would do a bit at the reunion. I think she called it like do a stand up. Would you do a stand up? And um, <laughs> in that kind of way that like someone who is not part of the entertainment industry gets it kind of wrong. You're like, and I'm in the industry. I'm a comedian in comedy. Doing a stand up is when you poop without a toilet. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when someone says you should do a skit on Saturday Night Live. You know. Yeah. Um, so I said, yes, I would do it without thinking about what I would do. And then it kind of struck me. I'm like, oh, now's the chance. I should confess. I should confess oh, wow. this thing. That's bold. Now that you're entering this, this <laughs> you're, you're pursuing an art form you've never done before in your life mm-hmm. in front of everyone you knew in high school. Yeah. Now is the time to go out on a limb, you thought to yourself. Right. Um. So yeah, so I'm like, okay, this is the thing. So I wrote a little bit and definitely like when, and the idea was that I would let everybody who got nominated who was there come up and make an acceptance speech. And then we would like buy a kind of raise your hand if situation, find the actual coolest person in the room and then make them homecoming king. So Jordan, I'm sorry to interrupt you again here. No, that's okay. So I'm just following your line of thinking. Uh Uh-huh. So first of all, the one of the organizers uh-huh. asked you to do a stand-up. Do a stand-up, yes. <laughs> one stand-up, one unit of stand-up comedy. <laughs> a cubit <laughs> of stand-up now, comedy. Unless you count those three times that uh, that we we did a show that Al Madrigal was too busy to do at the Ice House in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. And the comedy contest that you were in at the San Jose Improv when uh-huh. we were in college, you, to my understanding, have essentially never done stand-up, functionally speaking. Yeah, a little bit. I did a little bit when I first moved to L.A., like did some like open mics and stuff like that, but not. it's been years and years and years. So your first thought is, when they ask you to do a stand-up, mm-hmm. you say yes. Um, because everyone you know from high school is going to be there, so what could go wrong? Sure, yeah. A couple okay. free drink tickets, too, man. Yeah. It's just so, a good value. <laughs> I mean, you're also getting paid an exposure. Right, exactly. Um, who knows what ska bands the people that you went to high school <laughs> with might be in now. Right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, someone could be the new singer of Smash Mouth. <laughs> hell, somebody might be in hell, somebody might be in Fishbone by now. You know yeah. what I mean? They might have gotten to the, the top of the top. Yeah. Um, That's best case scenario. So, first of all, that. Second of all, your idea, so your mm-hmm. bit... Yeah. Was to start by saying that you had won a rigged election. Yeah. To get everybody on your side. Uh-huh. And then conduct a by hands selection of who's coolest <laughs> now. Yeah, who's the coolest person in the room. <laughs> okay. I mean, what I like about this plan, Jordan, uh-huh. is that it's bold. <laughs> yeah. I, 
and this entire strata thing was your hectare of stand-up or was there also going to be a unit of stand-up yeah just like jokes about online dating or something (laughs) exactly exactly but anyway one of these ubers you got an uber yet yeah um no so like this is my this is the whole thing and i'm just reading off a paper too by the way yeah um so well, yeah, that's how Janine Garofalo did it. Exactly. Yeah, reunion. it's kind of a kind of a like early '90s alternative comedy throwback yeah. about like, mm-hmm. hey, this I'm taking away some of the artifice, and yeah, this is a little more real. Went to high school with Beth Littlefield or something. Yeah, Littleford. Anyway, who can? No, Littleford. Thank you. No problem. Um, yeah. So I like I get up and I do the bit of a kind of like, hey, I won, and this is why it was a big deal to me, and like, here's why I was a non traditional choice. Uh, and then I. And people weren't really listening <laughs> to me. <laughs> That's so. Is this is the context for this? What I'm imagining yeah. is like um, a high school dance mm-hmm. in a gym with crepe paper streamers, and I'm basically imagining something out of like. The Wonder Years or Back to the Future yeah. or something like that. That's that's all that's the only reference right. point I have for normal high school. Yeah, so I did I did show Marvin <laughs> um, Chuck Berry's cousin how to play rock and roll. <laughs> Got it. Good. Um good old Marvin, great guy. Um uh, so no, I uh this is like at on the patio at this place called the Ocean Institute in uh, like Orange County. It was a place like we went on field trips where you like I mean, about tide pools. It makes sense. If we called Todd Glass right now, stand-up comedian yeah. Todd Glass, famous for his strong preferences about the features of stand-up comedy venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said, Todd, what do you think would be the best place to do stand-up for the first time in many years in front of everyone you knew in high school? And you're trying to find out who's coolest among them. And you're starting by telling them that you won a false election. Mm -hmm. Todd would probably say, uh, I want this thing outdoors Mm -hmm. and I want otters there. Yeah. Some otters. (laughs) I want to be able to touch a stingray. (laughs) (laughs) Risingly slimy. Um, Yeah. So like when I confess, people fucking gasped and started listening. And wow. and then I like everybody who only a couple people were there who got nominated, but they came up and I uh, let them all make a speech. And then uh, Jordan, sorry to interrupt, John, just so you know, this whole thing is off the record. So do not bring this to 60 Minutes. <laughs> I'm texting my producer as uh, as Jordan unfurls <laughs> please, this, no, this tale. Please. Do uh, not. Do not. John, do not tell Gail. Yeah. If yeah. you breathe one word of this. God, if Gail, Gail finds John, out, I'll be mortified. Gail, oh. Gail makes a lot of trips to the West Coast. And, you oh, know, yeah. she's famous for her in-person interviews in which she basically allows people to unburden themselves of their their deepest darkest secrets so i think so far what i'm getting from this emperor has no clothes moment is that right. jordan really has something in the deep shale that he could uh make a good <laughs> six or seven minute interview i've always said we should frack jordan more <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll sit down with gail or anderson cooper that's it <laughs> nobody else nobody else gets to this natural gas <laughs> so 
I confessed. We did the show of hands. I was like, okay, put up, put up your hands. Put down your hands if you ever bought anything at Hot Topic. Put down your hands if you still have a Disneyland pass. And we found like the, the one woman who hadn't done any of this stuff. Right. She became the homecoming king. And um, and then afterwards, so the should the we gu- give her a shout out? What's her name? Jessica something. Shout out to Jessica. <laughs> I knew it was going to be fucking Jessica. The new. Okay, go ahead. So and then. Brian said he thought it was going to be Carol, but I was like, Jessica, nah, Jessica, Jessica. No way Carol's yeah. going to win that. Yeah. Um, I think she came in our group to the Renaissance Fair one year. Oh, well, oh. she probably shouldn't have won. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I win. And she lifts her giant turkey leg. <laughs> her stein of mead. <laughs> she has Hagar the horrible cartoons in her house. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then afterwards, so the guy who told me he had rigged it wasn't there, but this woman came up to me afterwards who I had talked to a couple of times and I was pretty sure had showed up drunk. <laughs> so, uh-huh. and sure. that she had only gotten this is, drunker. This is Carol. This, yeah, this is Carol. Uh-huh. The movie Carol. Uh-huh. Um, and then, so she came up to me and she's like, she's like, I heard, I heard what you said. I was saying it in a dual microphone. <laughs> she, I heard what you said. And I was there that night when they changed the votes. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God. So who won? So she told me who actually won. It was It's a guy who was there who I talked to. Um, and so, like, I know I didn't tell him. I'm still kind of wondering whether or not I should, like, send him a Facebook message and say, hey, you really won. Um, and then I asked her, I'm like, so why did you guys do Like, why did you do it? Why did you change the votes? And she just looks at me and she's like, because we could. Oh shit! Never stop to think if they should. <laughs> no, <laughs> just in the name of chaos. <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen that movie, The Strangers. Why did? Why are you doing this? Because you were home. Because you were home. Anyway, yeah. So. You struck. You've struck John. John Dickerson is in his <laughs> Zoom window processing this. It is moving through the filters of his heart. And it may stop that mm. that organ's beating. Would you? Would you? Do you guys think I should tell the guy who actually won, Travis Pastrana? <laughs> yes, <laughs> motocross legend Travis Pastrana. Yeah. Would you like want to know, or is that like a weird embarrassment unto itself? You know. Wow, that's tough. When I was in high school, I was. I mean, like this is going to come off as braggy, but I was in the junior state of America. Mm-hmm. And I went oh, to deep state of America. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into the junior deep state of America, <laughs> because uh, the president, uh, the president of our region, I think it was, uh, was a guy named, and I'm just going to use his full name. I I imagine he's probably a very successful, like. Uh, political communications consultant or something like that. I'm sure he's doing very well for himself. Uh, but his name was Jesse Frankenstein, which obviously <laughs> there's no way I'm going to forget that name. Right. Um, and I think Your Jesse Frankenstein yeah, would understand why I had to use his full name on this right. in this story. <laughs> and um, Jesse Frankenstein ran the region with an iron fist. Right. And I would imagine like, Obviously, he ran a tight ship. He didn't run like some kind of mash. Yeah, exactly. 
So uh, it was, um, I immediately pictured him making his decisions with one of those little folder things that uh, tells you what, uh, where you're going to live and oh, a cootie catcher. About. A cootie catcher. Um, Might be a regional name for it, though. Yeah. I think there's a variety. It has a variety of names. It goes by many names. <laughs> a hoagie on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I I would imagine that Jesse Frankenstein was doing a great job mm-hmm. of running the Junior State of America Northern California chapter or whatever. And as with all activities, extracurricular activities that were not arts performances, I will say that my chapter of the Junior State of America at School of the Arts High School maybe was not committed to good management and governance Mm -hmm. or in fact anything other than going getting to stay overnight in a hotel and making out a lot right and like i don't mean to suggest that we weren't the dorkest of the school of the arts community but our expression of being in junior state of america was like isn't it funny that we're going to junior state of america it was the equivalent of your your bowling shirt sure And so what we would do is we would not sign up for anything or anything. We would just go up and, you know, volunteer to speak. There was a part where you volunteered to speak and just try and win the medal or whatever by making outrageous claims or something. And I ran, I, with no premeditation, ran for um, president of the region uh, because no one was running and you got to make a speech. So I went and, and made a speech and... I, you know, mocked my opponent and made absurd promises and, you know, whatever. I just goofed around. And then there was an election and Jesse Frankenstein won as, and I want to be clear, as it should have been, because there's no doubt that if I had won, I would have served for the balance of the day, then abdicated my throne to Jesse Frankenstein. Um, But I lost. And when they were announcing it, uh, I was a little disappointed um, because I wanted at least to have my my day as president. And uh, this woman came over to me, girl, we were teens. She came over to me and she said, you know, I was backstage when we were counting votes. And I was like, really? And she said, yeah. And she said, you know why Jesse Frankenstein won? He was there too. And I was like, what do you mean? How, how could mm-hmm. he have won? There's, he, and he goes, she goes, uh, he said, anyone who votes for Jesse counts for him. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's devious. Wow. That was the difference. I'm like, check the signatures against the records. Yeah. Because, <sighs> wow. John, again, do not take this to 60 minutes. This is... <laughs> yeah, scandalous. And what did they find yeah. in the ninja audit of the vote counts? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we brought in the cyber ninjas. Right. Jesus <laughs> Christ. That's fucking real. Uh, John, what was your shit in high school? Were you a newspaper kid? Were you a... Um, Speech and debate. We can say, you don't have to say a small private high school in Washington, D.C. You went to high school at the National Portrait Gallery. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everybody carried around oil paints. Um, uh-huh. The, um, 
I was a, I was when I graduated. We had there were fake superlatives that somebody um, who had the paper did, and uh, I wrote a lot of poetry in high school. And the, what mm-hmm. they wrote about me was that I would try to be a poet as an adult, but um, would fail because I wasn't tortured enough. Um, <laughs> oh. Now, uh, which is a good joke, um, except it was it, it it failed because it lacked the kernel of truth. Because of course. Uh, I have all the torture, but none of the skill. So it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was, but, but anyway, it was a good joke, but no, I wrote a lot of poetry and listened to, um, and listened to a lot of Bob Dylan. I played sports, but I wasn't, I played football and baseball. I was fine. Um, but not anything that anybody particularly remembers. Um, and, uh, uh as much as I bring it up at those reunions again, um, <laughs> and, um, uh, and that was, uh. That was it. I wasn't. I wasn't on the newspaper. I didn't debate. Um, Were there those things? Because like the biggest, I feel like the biggest difference between my high school experience and Jordan's is not about like the arts. The arts focus of my high school is is particular, and like the geography is different culturally. But like I feel like the biggest difference is that Jordan went to a high school that was big enough to have classic high school things like you know burnouts and nerds and theater nerds and clubs and sports teams and like at my high school where it was 100 kids in a class like there essentially were no clubs that weren't a joke there was student government there's no newspaper no sports teams just because there weren't enough people to get to do it like that's true. Well, mine had not enough people to do it, but had str- all the kids were very strivery. So there were there was a proliferation, a mushrooming of clubs because everybody wanted to get into colleges, and if you were, had to go to college, you needed to be into clubs. So there was like a Victorian poetry right. club, and then a Victorian prose <laughs> club. I mean, it was, <laughs> and they hated each yes, other. Exactly, they fucking hated each other. The violence. <laughs> oh man, violence You'll, between the, the two only of way them. I'm getting getting in a room with you is if we're planning to fuck up the Edwardians. <laughs> That's right. So wait, no. the first it's question, fucking Teddy boys. So hearing. Hearing, hearing poetry, hearing Bob Dylan enthusiasm. I gotta ask, clove cigarettes? Oh my God! Yes, so my what? Um, crates, cratex? No, what? No, what were they called? Uh, Cray. Uh, that's a brand of tampon. Yeah, no, keep no. going. Keep going. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I swear that was the name. Anyway, yeah. The, um. Uh, but not you know like everyone with the clove cigarette story. Um. There's the time you experimented, and then that was it because they were. I mean, it was it was like go into grandma's chest and get the potpourri, roll that up into something, and then smoke it. That's what a clove cigarette was. Yeah. Yes. It. Yes. They do have a grandma's bathroom odor and flavor to them. Oh, but I remember people fighting their way through them. Like I feel like. I feel like the people that I knew who smoked clove cigarettes, mostly goths, um, I remember them smoking them and like, it seemed like they were trying, they were working, they were really working their way through to the end. Like it was, they really had to keep, you know, keep their legs moving to make it to the end of the clove cigarette. White knuckling their way all the way through it. Um, Yes. And, uh, but I mean- I, you know, I smoked on, on weekends and, and did 
part of the time I was in college. So, so that was my, yeah, that, that what you, you pegged me perfectly, Jordan. And, and, and mm-hmm. anybody who's listening, all of those other awful things you're imagining, um, I, of the person who fits the, the, that description, I probably also did that too. Like I had, I was, I wrote tendentious long, um, lyrics on my jeans and did stuff like that um whoa yeah yeah no i know white out maybe white out yeah what'd you write them with (laughs) no i get i I think with a pen um okay i mean definitely there are many things that you could do if you could go back in time you know you could stop for example the pandemic of 1918 you could um you could uh you know tell um archduke ferdinand to duck you could do many different things Um, right. but I mean, on my way to Help doing Chuck Berry invent rock and roll, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on my way to do something noble and good for mankind, I would probably stop by Wisconsin Avenue where I was in school during the day and just punch myself in the face and then move on. <laughs> Just because (laughs) it was, uh, you're like, good news for you, baby Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Joan Didion has this great line about, I've already lost track of several, several earlier versions of myself. And, um, Mm. and I definitely, you know, if high school is identity formation period, I definitely, you know, cycle through some, I mean, it was one identity, but, but I've cycled I hopefully through most of it. Um, although those deep friendships still attest to something that re- remains, I guess. Do you have a pair of lyrics jeans still in the <laughs> closet somewhere? No, I don't. But it's funny. My daughter uh, has an incredibly cool. She's an artist, and her jean jacket has is this wonderful Technicolor experience, and it does have some actual lyrics on it. But I mean, if I knew somebody who wore that in school, I would just follow them around. Mine was, mine was not, it was neither artistic nor, um, I can't remember which songs I would have, I mean, they would have been Bob Dylan songs, but it would have, you know, uh, there was really nothing to recommend this behavior. (laughs) I don't want to brag, but I can still fit into my high school lyrics jeans. (laughs) (laughs) I still write Bob Dylan lyrics on on my blue jeans. I wrote out all of Must Be Santa on one one pair. (laughs) I don't even think he wrote out Must Be Santa. (laughs) Seasonal. (laughs) I have some traveling Wilberry's jorts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh my God. Guys, I gotta have a clove. You want to take a break and then uh, do some calls? Yeah. Let's take a break. We'll be back in just a second. I'm Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Now, Jordan, maximumfun.org our podcast network, supported by members. So first and foremost, thanks to the members of MaximumFun.org. This week, also supported by Magic Spoon. Jordan, a a lot of people know Magic Spoon primarily by the name that my uh, child Frankie calls it, Magic Poon. Yeah, Um, that is what most people call it. Most people call it that, but you can also refer to it by its what they call its government name. You know, the LLC right. is registered as Magic Spoon, even though most people yeah. call it Magic Poon. Um, just if you're a, if you're searching if you're searching for it, make sure you search for Magic Spoon. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna Google it or what have you, yeah, right. I would, yeah, like let's I say mean, we're gonna give you, we're gonna give you. Listen, you're not gonna have to. We're gonna give you a specific URL. It's magicspoon.com/slash/jjgo. Yeah. But for some reason, you forget magicspoon.com/slash/jjgo. Maybe, maybe make sure to just search for Magic Spoon, even though you know a lot of people are calling it Magic Poon. Yeah, and look, if if you're it's the morning time, you're hungry, you're looking for 13 to 14 grams of protein but in a delicious flavor that reminds you of the treat cereals that you got as a kid, don't just Google Magic Poon because it will get you to the wrong place. Go to magicspoon.com slash JJGo instead so you can Mm -hmm. check out some of those great flavors. Cookies and cream, maple waffle, uh, cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, that's my favorite, Uh, cinnamon, um, which is a spice that actually inspired... Uh, the airport bun restaurant. Ooh, well, that's a that's a fun yeah. fact. That is a fun fact. Uh, and hey, another fun fact. Uh, Magic spoon, great for a midnight snack too. Jesse, you mentioned breakfast. Obviously, it's great for breakfast. But uh, if you need a little right. little treat before bed, uh, that uh, is a little better for you. Um, Magic spoon, that's the stuff. And you mentioned cookies and cream and maple waffle, Jesse. Those were limited edition flavors that Magic Spoon has now made part of the permanent collection because they were so popular. So people uh, demanded when you're it. Getting your Magic Spoon, people demanded it. They answered. They love their fans. Uh, MagicSpoon.com/slash/jjgo. You get a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And make sure to use our promo code JJGo. You'll save five dollars at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash JJGo and use the code JJGo to save $5 off. Our thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. We're also supported this week by the good folks at Smalls. Now, Jordan, you're a cat owner. I'm a cat owner. Um, but I like to think of us more as roommates. Not that I like own her, but she's, you know. Yeah, thank you very much. She doesn't pay her half of the rent, though. That's a big problem. Yeah, but I mean, she what she does is she makes up for it um, in hugs. Oh! So I, what I do is I take, I take care of the rent, and then she gives me all the yeah. hugs I can handle. And you also feed her. Yeah, that's true. I like she doesn't have to buy her own food. No, that's true. The hu- included included in the hugs. Right. There's 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 lodging. Right. Um internet of course. <laughs> yeah. Sure for browsing. And also uh food which these days has been provided by the good folks at Smalls. Here's what it is, Jesse. Mm-hmm. It's fresh human grade food for cats delivered right to your doorstep. All cats or are obligate carnivores who need fresh protein-packed meal- meals. Jesse, they need them. Yeah. I can only provide so many hugs. There's also other needs that yeah. she has. Conventional cat food uh, made using low-quality meat byproducts, grains, starches. They coat it all in artificial flavors. It's garbage. Give your cat something worth eating. We're talking about human-grade food. That means this food is as good as the sweet flesh of a human man. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, here's what they did at Smalls. They enlisted cat nutritionist to develop balanced recipes for all stages. Uh, Smalls recipes are gently cooked to lock in protein, vitamins, minerals, and 
moisture. Very important. Cats need moisture. Better ingredients mean a better, healthier life for your cat. And uh, I can attest to this. Um, Cats experience improved digestion and a less smelly litter box. Take a short quiz on smalls.com slash JJGo to customize your sampler and use code JJGo for a total of 30% off your first order. That's smalls.com slash JJGo, code JJGo. Let's get back to the show. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. John Dickerson, closet comedian. Oh, <laughs> doing comedy in your closet? Is that what we're talking about? It's it's a <laughs> comedian who does comedy in the closet, only about material related to closets, but nobody <laughs> knows about it. So that right. so that he's in the closet. So you yeah. see, it's have you guys, all three. Have of you those guys heard things. about wow. these moth traps? Wow. They got pheromones now. <laughs> I mean, they call you it know, a walk-in our... closet. <laughs> uh, there are there are like uh, reporter stand-up comedy contests, right? There are. When didn't Allison? I think Allison Rosen won one of those at some point. Our friend Allison Rosen from Allison Rosen's Your New Best Friend. There, there is something like Washington's Funniest Celebrity or something, which is like Florida's Tallest Mountain. Um, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> sure. And I participated in one of those. Like the first year I got went back to Washington, I grew up there, and then I was in New York, and then I went back to Washington in, in 1995, and I participated in one of those early in my Washington career, and it did not, despite my best efforts, end my Washington career, although upon reflection, the jokes that I told, which I thought were winners at the time, I think were, were just <laughs> awful. Um, and as, you know as what, listeners you know of ours should have done, just bring all the presidential candidates on stage and then do a show of hands election to find out who should have won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See who's coolest. <laughs> who's still at their Disneyland club card. Um, <laughs> the, weirdly, the coolest person in the room, Dennis Kucinich? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's, who's got one of those annual pass bumper stickers on the back of their car oh, and, yeah. uh, and Jeb Bush just lowers yeah. his hand. <laughs> it's Jeb! Exclamation. Mark, good old Jeff. Um, I I support that, John. I think. Look, next time you enter one, Jordan's a professional comedy writer. He'll write you some of his his famous who was coolest in high school gags. Yeah. I'll yeah. help you do a stand up. John, you need to do a stand up. <laughs> How many stand ups you need to do? Right. <laughs> I will do one hey, parsec of stand up. If you. <laughs> John, if you ever if, if you ever enter a contest to find out who uh, Washington's uh, who, who among Washington celebrities is the best at uh, writing episodes of primetime soap operas, Brian Fernandez can help you with mm-hmm. that. Sure. So these are two great resources, resources. for you to use. Re- well, they could yeah. be a part of my toolkit. Exactly. My comedy yeah. Washington comedy toolkit. Yeah. Unfortunately, Washington's best public radio host is uh, is not something I can help you with. <laughs> There's no way. With the, There's John, no way. Of the of the of the identities you were trying on, did like 
truth-telling stand-up comic ever ever kind of come into your purview? I wish. I kn- I I I know some who tell real truth. No, cuz I was too too frightened, too much of a kind of I mean, the only thing I did in high school, I do remember I wrote some essays about the things. Um it was basically hot takes before the internet. So it was, you know, right. I wrote a couple of those. But I was t- I'm um uh, I didn't I didn't have the the guts yet. My, I mean, my the first time I ever had to go interview somebody on the street, it took me forty five minutes to to work up the courage to stop somebody on the street, and all I was doing was was interviewing them about holiday shopping patterns in nineteen ninety three. But I mean, if you had been watching me, but with a drone, you would have thought that I was like casing. It was on Fifth Avenue in front of the Saks Fifth Avenue. You would have thought I was casing the joint to try to, you know, knock it, uh, stage a robbery or something. Because I kept walking up to people and then, like, you know, like doing something with my hair and walking by because I lost the courage right. to stop them and interview them. <laughs> I can't ask it them is. if they found Power Rangers anywhere. <laughs> right, exactly. Was that the item? Was that the item that year, Power Rangers? I don't know what it was. I, I feel like I wanted to say it was Elmo, but every year is Elmo, I feel, after. Yeah. But uh, no, I was just literally, I was asking them, like, are you spending more? And and do you feel like you have more money in your pocket? It was an, it was an economic story about whether anybody was spending more money coming out of uh, the recession. Um, and I just was... Um, and of course, at the beginning, like if they had the tiniest fibrillation of an eyebrow, I'd be like, oh, no, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I didn't mean to stop your day. I mean, <laughs> like, I was it, so no, sorry, I, I, I was not. A I can't publish guy, anything so. from an eyebrow fibrillator. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I that is terrible. I mean, that is like genuinely terrifying, though, John, like you're you're saying that still. You don't like Jordan and I are professional. We do live Jordan Jesse goes. I'm not worried about doing that. If you ask me to go up to somebody with a microphone and bother them on the street, I would go back behind the shed and throw up. Yeah, it was. It took a long time, and then basically, and then I then I started to be as a political reporter. Then that, that was like my thing. It was like, how many people can I go interview? Um, which has its own downsides too, because you can you can think that the whole world is made up of the people that you interviewed, but that's a <laughs> that's that's a topic for Jordan Jesse Go journalism um, roundtable. But uh, yeah, th- from now on, we're only doing uh, this show at diners in New Hampshire. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it took a, a while to get over it. But then I then I then you couldn't stop. You know, and then I was stopping people, and I still stop people on the street, even if I don't have a story. <laughs> when I when I was like brand new in broadcasting, when I was, I guess I was just coming out of it was between my junior and senior year of college, or or uh, just after my senior year of college. I had this internship at Siri at XM before it was Sirius XM, and I worked on this channel that was like the young people talk channel. <laughs> And um, one of those guys that I worked with, this guy named Evan Roberts, is now a big sports talk star in New York City. He's on WFAN, I think, like the biggest sports talk station in the country. Um, Very nice guy. Um, But like, I remember sitting with the producers and there were two producers for 12 hours of programming. So it was two producers and three hosts making 12 hours a day of content. And I remember sitting with one of those producers and there was something in the news, something tragic in the news. Um, Someone had, you know, and and it affected teens and young adults somehow. And the producer said to like pointed out this story to me, someone had been affected by tragedy, you know, their parents had been shot in a drive by or something like that. 
and they said, find this person's phone number, call them and see if you can get them to come on the show. And I was like, what? I'm not going to bother people. <laughs> I'm not prepared to bother people who haven't endured tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, this is journalism. I'm out. It's nonsense about Wario from now on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm somebody coming over the wire. <laughs> Wario was tragically killed in a drive-by. Oh, no. Now I have to talk to Mrs. Wario. <laughs> Okay, when something momentous happens to you, like John Dickerson comes up to you on the street and asks you about shopping patterns, 206-984-4FUN is the number to call or send us a voicemail about it at jjgo at maximumfun.org and it might become part of our famous segment, Momentous Occasions, just like this person's call did, Brian. Hello, Jordan, Jesse, and guest. I'm going to say essayist Olivia Lang. I'm, I'm Andy from Brooklyn. I have a momentous occasion. I live in apartment A1 in my apartment building, so we get a lot of people buzzing thinking we're the super or just buzzing because we're the, the top of the plate. And uh, somebody buzzed the other day. I was having a real rough day, really didn't want to talk to anybody. Uh, and somebody buzzed, and I, I went on the intercom. I said, do you have a delivery for A1? And they said, yes, we have a delivery for A1. I said, okay. And I buzzed them in, and they came to my door. And I opened it, and it was a pizza, and I hadn't ordered a pizza. And I, so I said sort of quizzically, A1? And the pizza delivery guy said, uh, yeah, A1, 1. Is that different? Is that A11? <laughs> it was. <laughs> this guy didn't know about the tens place. Right. <laughs> that was the problem. Oh, God, I'd love to have a pizza right now. That's my take home from this. Yeah, pizza would be nice. I bet that guy has similar problems when somebody in the building gets a steak sauce delivery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very similar issues. Got some A1 (laughs) for A2. (laughs) Or people just show up with their steaks. Hope, assuming right. he has it, you know. <laughs> People said this was the uh, this was the building to come to. That's right. I mean, this porterhouse <laughs> is getting steak. cold. <laughs> Man, you know, my dad used to eat uh, a one once in a while, mm-hmm. but he would also he would cook a steak and then just take some Worcestershire sauce and just fucking yep. dump that Worcestershire sauce on there. Man, just go ape shit with that Worcestershire sauce. These are like. These are generational things that are about my dad being from the Midwest in 1950 um, that are like just one half a step above eating steak with ketchup. Like just, just a tiny hair, him putting like white sugar on a salad or whatever. Ooh, right. <laughs> I don't think he did that, but you know, butter on everything. Um, ketchup on a steak. That's the, that's the bottom of that. That's the bottom of that pile. Boy, they really made sure, at least for me growing up, they really made sure in school that you knew how to spell Worcestershire. <laughs> like, we had I think s- that's another Orange County. That's like the checkered Borvans and the right, the, sure, rainbow, the rainbow flip-flops. I think that's uh, the lifted pickup trucks. Yeah. I feel like there's like two things I remember from like that era of school. It's how to spell Worcestershire and that Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin. Fucking yeah. nothing else. Something about the island of the blue dolphin, maybe. But yeah. Yeah. Man, can I tell you what? As mm. long as I'm 
as long as I'm running down Roald Dahl and uh, and Doctor Seuss, sure. I also relatively recently read Island of the Blue Dolphin. Mm. Uh, that shit rules. That shit is okay. really great. Right. Not quite as good as Hatchet, which is like ten out of ten, exceptionally great. Uh, but Island of the Blue Dolphin, super good, mm-hmm. no complaints. I just want to, you know, throw that in for balance. I will. I as if if we're if we're. I'll I'll match your heel turn, Jesse, uh, uh-huh. and maybe uh, get John to just fucking close his laptop and leave. <laughs> yeah. And I have said this on the show before, but I, every family member shoved Lord of the Rings in my hand as a kid, and I never liked it. I ne- I was, it, it, it to me was so dense and weird, and I'm like, why is there Sauron and Sauron? This is hard to follow. Um. <laughs> You do make a very good point. The Sauron Sauron thing never made any sense to me. He's got this entire field of names and things and all of that, and the, he picks yeah. these two that are almost identical. Yeah, I think I powered my way through The Hobbit when I was pretty young, like third or fourth grade or something. You know, I like powered my way through The Hobbit and then heard that The Lord of the Rings was like that, but a little less accessible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, well, I guess it's Dragonlance novels for me then. <laughs> and I did, I did do a like watch of all the movies when they got dumped on a streaming service over, you know, the height of COVID quarantining and like fucking loved them and totally. Oh, I fucking loved the movies. The movies fucking own. Yeah, they're great. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I could see a world where maybe I I do a do a Lord of the Rings audio book and kind of like, oh, okay, this is what I was missing as a, you know, maybe like hyperactive kid who who's, <laughs> a, you know, attention span got a little bit ruined by video games. So um, anyway, well, the if you really want to read something and have it, I, when I read the Cimmerillion or tried to read the Cimmerillion, which is a collection of mythic stories that yeah. Tolkien John, wrote. I knew we were going to get to the Cimmerillion at I, some point yeah. in this. <laughs> That was your hope. That was really that. That's the garden path you've been leading me down. This is all we did it. This was really all to (laughs) reach. The balloons dropped from the ceiling. (laughs) The mother load of the Cimmerillion. But the thing is, the only thing I know about the Cimmerillion at this point is the name, because when my brain engaged with the words, it, it, the two were not. It was not possible to connect, and so I just couldn't follow. When I was like ten, my mom to make rent used to have. ESL students stay in our house that were like, you know, 24 year olds that my, that my mom would like feed. They'd stay in our house. They'd be there for four months of learning to speak English fluently. And they were like, they were almost all Swiss bankers. This is like the demographic was Swiss bankers. And it was, it was perfectly nice. All the Swiss bankers, uh, the 23 year old Swiss bankers were all very nice. And we had this one uh, Swiss guy and named Michael Siegenthaler, and he stayed at our house for extra long. And then his his fiance came and stayed with him at our house for a while. Um, and his parents became friendly with my mom uh, because their child was living at our house for so long. And eventually, and the, his dad was an actual Swiss banker, like a very highly placed. I remember he had a car phone and that was a really big mm-hmm. deal at the time. And um he was he would call us. He would call America from Switzerland on the car phone, which was 
I'm sure, $100 a minute. <laughs> and uh, they invited me to go to Switzerland. And my mom was like, we, we can't afford to send this child to Switzerland. They're like, no, you, our child has lived at your house. Your child can come stay with us. So they flew me to Switzerland. And I was in Switzerland for 10 days or something like that. It was wonderful. Really lovely thing. You know, I flew solo to Switzerland when I was 10 to stay there. And the thing that I remember most about Switzerland from when I was 10 is that there was an English language video store and an English language bookstore. And my and Michael Siegenthaler's father, Werner, was still working at the time. And I, I think his mother maybe was working as well. So it was sort of like I had to fill my days. So they offered to get me something from the English language bookstore and the English language video store. And uh, from the English language video store, we got back to school. Mm. Um, Good choice. Rodney Dangerfield. Good choice. Dangerfield. And then uh, from the bookstore, we got the Simulrinian. Yeah. And I remember just like Worcestershire. <laughs> yeah. <Thank you>. Yes, <laughs> but can you spell at it? The, like the first page of that book for like an hour, hmm. trying to pull the words apart into something that meant anything to me and just failing completely and being like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to watch back to school <laughs> <Cool>. again. <laughs> Uh, John, for you, just you know, you're you're a first time guest. Here's something we like to do on the show. We have a lot of segments um, that we planned in advance. Um, we say that it's not true. People sometimes yeah. call us with their segment ideas, and then we pretend that they are ours, like a hermit crab moving into a can. Yeah. So uh, we should also mention, John, just as long as we're explaining stuff about about the show. Um, we are hermit crabs. Yeah. We live in cans we found. <laughs> um, Brian is not a hermit crab. Brian is a snail. Um, he's he's worried about hermit crabs. Right. Um, and we threaten him. We threaten to steal his shell, certainly. But we live in cans, so we don't even need shells. Anyway, go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> so I just wanted to fill John called, Brian has the call, uh, and we're going to listen to it now. Hello, Jordan, Jesse, Sunny D, and guest, I am assuming Travel Anderson. It's Celeste, they, them, calling. I'm calling from Ottawa, Ontario for your well-established and much-anticipated segment, How Did They Describe That Tumor? <laughs> yeah. My mom, a few months ago, had huge ovarian tumors removed, weighing in at around 14 pounds. Holy fuck! Jesus. She's doing okay now, which is absolutely brilliant. Given COVID and her immunocompromised state, I could not be there when she was in the hospital. But she called me when she was able, um, when she was able to after her surgery. When I asked how things went, she immediately noted that the doctor took pictures of the tumors and described them as such. Beautiful gorgeous, they look like the sun, they look like the fireball emoji. Assuming she was just hopped up on drugs, I didn't think too much of it, but even to this day, no longer on drugs, she continues to describe these tumors as gorgeous, like the sun, and like the fireball emoji. My mother is a relentlessly positive person, so I struggle to fathom 
how her first reaction to things that could have killed her was to use these positive terms. But honestly, I saw the pictures and they do kind of look like the sun. They are wildly bright. Okay, bye. I love you. We love you too, Celeste. P.S. My mom knows I'm calling you and said I can share a photo of the fireball emoji tumor if anyone cares to take a look. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to look at that. I'm um, just going to look directly at the sun. <laughs> yeah. and I'll just yeah, assume that's what get. the... So this is the part of this that, that struck me. Jordan and John, you can yeah. tell me how you, what struck you about this. Yeah. But as I'm hearing this story about their mom and the, these enormous, I mean, I'm going to be frank. When I heard they were big, I assumed they might be three pounders, 14, holy mackerel. Um, that's even bigger than a big beefy baby. So I'm glad right. their mom's okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, blah, 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 blah. All those things sort of fit together, made sense to me. Even I could even accept the tumors being as beautiful as as glistening suns i've never seen a 14 pound ovarian tumor so i don't know what they look like um but you know i'll accept that premise that they look like beautiful suns the part that caught me was the idea that when you see something beautiful you think how can i describe this what emoji does this look like most? <laughs> <laughs> which which is it, the the tram? Oh, man. Does it look like the tram oh, emoji? Man, I got a rash on my nuts that look like those dancing twins. <laughs> the oh, Ghanaian shit, flag. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah, I, hopefully all my future medical diagnoses, my doctor can describe it in terms that me, a young person, can understand. Yeah. <laughs> Emojis. From, from now on, the... I'm I'm just going to compare every beautiful thing I've ever seen to the pupusa emoji. Right. I just learned that there's a pupusa emoji really excited about expressing my lifestyle through the medium of emojis. Right. Um, now how and, how can how can the pupusa become filthy? Like how, yeah. how the eggplant is no longer an eggplant? Yeah, hmm, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah. I think you might to make it properly filthy, you probably need a curtido emoji, right? The pickled lettuce that comes with pupusas. Sure, yeah. Get on that world emoji council. I said lettuce. I meant cabbage. Don't write me letters, you fucking assholes. Here come. Sorry. Here come the letters. <laughs> fucking curtido assholes. Yeah. You know what? If you're listening to this show right now, and you like Roald Dahl, or you like Doctor oh Seuss, here comes the rants. Or you think Curtido's made out of cabbage? <laughs> go fuck yourself! <laughs> go, 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 go I wrote an essay about yourself. it. Here's a copy I ran off on the mimeograph <laughs> at the National Portrait Gallery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that felt good to get that off my chest, Jordan. Yeah, I can tell. You've been unburdened. It's like like yeah. someone's removed a 14-pound tumor <laughs> from your ovary. <laughs> 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 my doctor does a lot of memes so he'll have the distracted boyfriend looking at looking away from fried foods and looking at taking fish oil <laughs> i have been looking i have been looking everywhere i have been looking everywhere for a dank 
general practitioner do you have yeah. one oh <laughs> yes absolutely yeah dr. Mine, da- dr david aladagian dude's dank dude it's dank. crazy to think it's crazy to think my gp mm. can literally write prescriptions and he still hasn't been red pilled blue pilled <laughs> right what's the pill that that you take on the internet and then you can see why joe rogan is good <laughs> the red pill i believe okay okay that's it okay 206-984-4-FUN is our telephone number or just record a voice memo and send it to us like Celeste did Uh, Celeste might have called in I don't know I wasn't paying attention jjgo at maximumfun.org is where you can email that and remember at the end of the day the message of this show is simple and clear go fuck yourself (laughs) go fuck yourself (laughs) we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go la 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 Hey, kid, your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So, yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on Maximum Fun. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) Doctor Who? Yeah! Hi, it's me, Dave Hill, from before. Here to tell you about my brand new show on Maximum Fun, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, which combines my old Maximum Fun show, Dave Hill's Podcasting Incident, with my old radio show, The Goddamn Dave Hill Show, into one new futuristic program from the future. If you like delightful conversation with incredible guests, technical difficulties, and actual phone calls from real-life listeners, you've just hit a street called easy. I'm also joined by my incredible co-host, the boy criminal Chris Gersbeck. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Dave. It's really great to... That's enough, Chris. And New Jersey chicken rancher, Des. Say hi, Des. Hey, Dave. The Dave Hill Good Time Hour. Brand new episodes every Friday on Maximum Fun. Plus, the show's not even an hour. It's 90 minutes. Take that, stupid rules. We nailed it. It's Jordan, Jesse. Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morse, boy detective. John Dickerson closet comedian there you go uh john uh i just got i just got a really incredible fax um it says you're fired forever from being a journalist uh apparently someone heard this show and they decided you're no longer fit to talk to presidents and shit well it was it was worth it <laughs> yeah, now you can lean into this stand-up comedy thing. Get out of the closet, John. Right, and, exactly. Uh, I can burst forth. But remember, the important thing in the closet comedian is not just that no one knows because he's in the closet, but he also must do the do the comedic right. routine in the closet and only about closets. About yeah, wooden wo- wooden hangers versus plastic ones, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no more wire John, hangers. Versus, no more. <laughs> what's the best? <laughs> I kind of like best? wire hangers. Call me crazy. What's the best thing and worst thing you ever said to a president, John? Ooh, the worst. Hmm, worst thing. I don't. I don't know that I. 
Uh, like, I, did you ever call a, a pencil a pen in front of a president no, or something? No. I mean, I, the, one of my first interviews, I interviewed a tycoon of Wall Street. This was in the early 90s. And I had this whole like song and dance question that I asked. I'm sure it was too long. And, um, and he basically said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So wow. that was bad. <laughs> wow. And it was, Fuck. was really early in the, really early in the, but I mean, that wasn't as bad oh, as my burnt. seventh, seventh grade teacher, Mr. Schiff, I think his name was. Uh, once I tried gamely to answer something in math class and I said, I gave the answer and he said, that answer is like, if I asked you what color the blackboard was and you said fast. <laughs> Whoa! Fucking savage! Oh, I know. Shit. And also, by the way, savage. I didn't. Holy shift! I didn't point like, the yeah. point this out at the time, but the blackboard was actually green. So yeah, I well, so fuck you, I shift. wasn't the one with the epistemological, well, um, you know, hiccup in their logic. But yeah. um, well, John, anyway. I got good news for you, buddy. Schiff listens to the show and he just got burned. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, that may not even been his name he, too. You didn't know that you didn't know that guy's on the Peabody committee. He is. <laughs> He's vice chair, dude. Uh, John, I mentioned this at the top of the show, but I I I just love the Slate uh, Political Gap Fest. It's such a great show, and uh, yeah, huge well, huge huge Basilon head to over here. Please send my regards to Basilon. Uh, and you know, if people out there are listening to audiobooks, a lot of people out there like to listen to audiobooks. You don't have to listen to an audiobook. Of the fucking Silmalrian. <laughs> why not? Why not listen to the audiobook of John Dickerson's book, "The Hardest Job in the World: The American Presidency." Look! Look at this. Oh, Currently on hold, on hold at the LA Public Library. Yes. Now we're nice. fucking talking. Yeah. Well, you guys, you are... shouldn't be listening to audiobooks while we're recording the show, Jordan. But besides that, <laughs> I love it. I love everything about Ooh, it. Salem's Lot is ready. I'm going to go ahead and borrow Salem's Lot. So oh, great! Uh, my my book is almost as scary. The um, well, <laughs> you hey. guys, I uh, and I'm an enorm enormous fans of yours. I used to listen to you when I went running. Um, but I had to stop because I would be doubled over. It's it, um, very hard to run while laughing like that. It's, <laughs> it's, it becomes a it becomes dangerous. So uh, you're so now violently I'm, allergic to Wario is what would happen. <laughs> you would start vomiting uncontrollably. <laughs> Thank John. Very nice. Thank you. So that that means a lot. It means a lot. I've, I've it's uh, very yeah, nice. It's very nice. Well, um, great John Dickerson. You can see him on television all across CBS News these days often on CBS Sunday morning with that, uh, which is the, the CBS news program that most resembles the sun emoji, I would say. <laughs> True. Um, but, you know, you can see him on Face the Nation sometimes. You can see him on, uh, you can see him on 60 Minutes sometimes. You can see him analyzing the political scene from time to time. Uh, you know, look, here's my, here's my proposal to you, America. Mm -hmm. Turn on your televisions, tune it into CBS. If it's not Sheldon, it's Dickerson. <laughs> <laughs> well, John Dickerson, it's been a delight to have you on the program. Um, uh, we wish you the best of luck in your new career as a, as a closet-themed stand-up comedian. Um, and we apologize for uh, stealing the food out of your children's mouths uh, by ruining your actual journalism career. Um, but thank you very much for making the time for us. We're very, very, we're very, very grateful to have you here. It means a lot to us. Thank you, Jordan and Jesse. It was fun. Thanks for having me on. I'll uh, come back someday uh, from my new job.
talking. <laughs> Brian Sunny D. Fernandez is our producer. Our theme music, Love You by The Free Design, courtesy of The Free Design and Light in the Attic Records. Our thanks to them. Uh, you can find us on Reddit, MaximumFun.Reddit.com. You can find us on Twitter at Jordan underscore Morris, at Jesse Thorne. You can find us on Instagram at Jordan David Morris. You at put dot this dot on. The only thing you really need to follow on Instagram is the great John Dickerson, of course. Um, and uh, I think that's enough shit. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on Jordan Jesse Go. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.